Thank you, Amanda. Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you all here today. Beautiful uh, spring day out there, and we're getting on top of all of our uh, spring work. I'm sure did everyone get everything done yesterday you need to get do, you needed to do. I have lists from two or three years ago that uh, I still haven't completed, and the jobs I haven't completed are so big that they still don't get completed the next year, but eventually we'll get to them. Hey, uh, we're starting a, a new series today, as we um, uh, shared with you last week, called The Freedom Project, The Next Step. And this is a, kind of a continuation of a series we started last year called The Freedom Project. And uh, if you were here last year, then you know that we entered into this Freedom Project as a result of God really speaking to us as leadership in the church. And uh, God spoke to us very clearly that we needed to reject a spirit of scarcity, uh, that there was a mindset of scarcity in individuals' lives, but uh, as, as well in kind of like our corporate mindset and the way we functioned and operated. And so as we identified that and, and we really saw clearly that God was speaking to us about that, we really, really pressed into, well, God, what do we do about it? And uh, the Lord led us to give uh, an offering that would be totally outside ourselves. And so last year we gave an offering that uh, went to three outside ministries that were all ministries that were focused on setting people free from uh, drug addiction from, uh, well, one that ministered to young women in India and set them free from this, their cultural oppression, and others that uh, literally uh, set uh, young men and women free from the uh, international sex slave trade. And uh, we ended up giving to those needs uh, really, really a profound gift, uh, above and beyond our normal giving. Uh, we ended up giving over $100,000 to those three ministries. And that was really awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really cool. But um, the thing that God has spoken to us about wasn't give to these ministries so much as it was give in order to break the mindset of scarcity here. And so while what we gave to really had an impact on, on lives and people's freedom, and it still is to this day. The real intent that we discerned from the Lord was that God wanted us to be free, that God wanted us to operate in a greater level of understanding of what it means to say that God is our provider, that he is the one that gives us food and life and breath and to become comfortable with that, and to begin to, to move into a peace zone with that so that we're not living with the, you know, the scarcity mindset. Do you know what it thinks? One of its very favorite sayings is, you want to hear this? Here's one of scarcity mindset's favorite little phrases is, oh no. Do you ever think that? Or do you ever hear that stated, oh no. What's going to happen next? Oh no, this happened. Now we won't have enough for that. We have this due and we don't have the money for it yet. Where's it going to come from? Those are all, when they're coupled with anxiety and fear, 
then they're indicative of a scarcity mindset. As opposed to the whole emphasis of our Freedom Project the last time in our teaching was God's goodness. And the, the uh, series messages had to do with abundance. And the title was More Than Enough. There's more than enough. There's always going to be more than enough for us to do everything God calls us to do. Another way I, I saw that uh, idea expressed recently was that um, when we learn how to have the right attitude towards finances and we begin to practice biblical practice of finances, then we can be confident that we will lead a fully funded life. Get that. I want you to hear that phrase. I'm going to say it again. That we can lead a fully funded life. Does that sound good? That sounds good. Now, what that means is fully funded, not according to the, to the uh, network report in the news or to the television program I might like watching, but fully funded in this sense that I will have everything I need to accomplish everything God calls me to do. And so to live a fully funded life and to have the right perspective of and relationship with possessions means that my heart, it just has to be submitted to the heart of Jesus. I I have to be following him at a heart level and living out of the new heart that he's given to me. And when I do that, then uh, I, you know, I'm going to view every, I'm going to view finances differently. I'm going to have greater insight into who he is. I'm going to have greater peace in my own heart and confidence about the future. I'm not going to have any problem giving because I know it's all God's and God's going to provide everything I need to accomplish everything he calls me to do. And so this, uh, this uh, whole emphasis that we've had in the Freedom Project has, uh, has, has really been a, a, some, some powerful thinking that we want to engage with at a deeper level this year. And so this year... Um, God has spoken to us again very clearly as we've uh, wrestled with this idea of doing another freedom project and what should we do and what does God want us to do. And we concluded after a lot of prayer and counsel uh, and and are very clear on this, that God doesn't want us to, to do any outside project this time. He's not calling us to do a one-time outside focused gift in, in, this, uh, in this freedom project. In fact, we're not going to do even a one-time gift. The focus this, this season for the freedom project is that we would gain a higher level of personal freedom. That you and I, as individuals, will build on what was done last year. And what we did last year did break a spirit of scarcity. It did have an impact. There is freedom here. And, and now we step off of that into just a greater understanding of who Jesus is, a greater, closer walk with him, and a deeper understanding of what he's calling us to when it comes to how we relate to possessions and finance and, and all of that, including giving. And so this, this year's Freedom Project is going to be focused much more on us personally gaining freedom. Now, what that means is that we have to change some of our preconceived notions. 
What that means is that some of the ways that we have learned, we have to recognize might just be wrong. We might need to reevaluate them. We might need to rethink them. And, and so often in things that are deeply entrenched and what we believe about money is, is probably very deeply entrenched in our hearts and our lives. It's probably very deeply entangled with our past, with our family history. And so just for, for some of us, just the validation that I grew up in a good home with loving parents is entangled with whatever I learned about finances from that home, whether it was biblical or unbiblical. Does that make sense? And in, in, in our view of what we believe about the whole thing, it's, it's so tangled up with our past that we really have to come to a point that we make a conscious decision to be open. Otherwise, we'll, we'll hear stuff and we'll just think, oh, I've, I've heard that before. We'll put up barriers instantly. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I heard that before and it made me feel uncomfortable, so I'm not going to listen to that. Or we'll read verses and we'll think, yeah, I've seen that verse before. We'll just miss the point. We won't be open to hear what God has to say to us if we don't pointedly open our hearts. Let, let me try to illustrate this for you. Um, I grew up in a home where my dad had the attitude that his birthday was not a big deal and nobody should ever make a big deal out of it. Now, he didn't say that about birthdays in general. I still had a birthday cake every year and got presents and my cousins would come over and stuff like that. But my dad, when it was his birthday, or even maybe when it was mine, he a little bit of scoffing involved in the thinking, but it would be, well, this day's no different than any other day. You're not really a year older today. Not really. And why make a big deal out of this? And so that was his basic attitude about the whole thing. When I became an adult, that just became my adopted attitude. And over the years, I have always said, I don't want anything for my birthday. Don't, nothing big, uh, not, don't, you know, no, no parties, nothing like that. In, in fact, Lori had a surprise birthday party for me when I was 35. It took me 10 years to forgive her for it. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But still, uh, just recently I had a birthday. And um, the people that are close to me know that I don't want like a big deal made out of my birthday. I don't want like to have a cake and, oh, everybody come on in. We're all going to sing to Van. No, I just, yeah, I just don't want that. But here's what happened. Um, you know, one, one friend gave me a, a gift card to McDonald's for $25. So I get five breakfasts out of that. And they know that I like to go to McDonald's for breakfast, you know, once a week. And so I thought, well, this is really cool. And someone else gave me a bag of barbecue potato chips. And man, you can't beat that, you know. <laughs> and so that was cool too. And everything was low key. And all oh, the staff gave me a bag of McDonald's coffee, which was nice too. But this was all low-key. There was no like big presentation or anything like that. But it all made me kind of think, I wonder if maybe I'm wrong in this. And I, and I realized I probably am wrong in my attitude towards birthdays. And I think I've known that for years, that this is an unhealthy attitude. I've known that for years. 
but I have never come to a moment in time where I said, I'm going to be open to new thinking on this. God, I think this is wrong. Would you show me the right way to think about it? Or at the least, God, if this is wrong, would you show me the right way to think about it? You following me? Okay, with this whole topic and with this Freedom Project this year, for us, our hearts to be set free, for us to walk in freedom, we really have to come to a point that we just say, okay, God, you know, I've heard teaching on it before or I've, I've learned about it before or I have certain attitudes about the whole thing of money and possessions and giving. But Lord, I'm going to just say to you right now, teach me, show me. I'm opening, I'm putting it all out on the table, Lord. Just like I have to say, God, my dad was wrong on his attitude towards birthdays. As much as I loved him and as great a guy as he is or was, he passed away in 1988, but uh, as good a man as he was, he was wrong about that. And I, I just want to be open for you to fill in some of the blanks for me and teach me about that. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what I'm calling you to right now. As your pastor, I'm saying... Right now, sitting where you're sitting, in your heart, will you, with me, say, God, I'm choosing right now to open my heart to have a new attitude about money and possessions, to learn new things about money and possessions, and to walk in a new level of closeness and obedience with you in the area of money and possessions. Can you say that with me? I mean, just in your hearts. Okay, let's, I'll say it, and you say it with me, okay? Okay, God, I open my heart to receive new revelation from you in this whole area of finance, possessions, and giving. Teach me, Lord. Show me new things, and I will walk out obedience to you. Jesus name. Amen. Awesome. You know, it's really, really important because Jesus made money and possessions a real core teaching in his teaching on discipleship. And you know what a disciple is, don't you? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who attaches to another person for the purpose of learning how to live life from them. And so a disciple of Jesus is someone who is, obviously, first they have to believe in Jesus, but then believing, they have to be willing to say, I'm going to arrange my life around the life of Jesus, and I'm going to follow his life and be what he's calling me to be and what he wants me to be. So Jesus talks about this all the time. In fact, in Luke 16, Jesus stated something really profound about our attitude towards wealth. Here's what he said. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is untrustworthy with very little will also be untrustworthy with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Just look at the first uh, main sentence there. 
If you can't be trusted with little, you can't be trusted with much. If you can't be trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. All right, uh, parents, how many parents we have in here? Six of teenagers. Okay, and some of us can remember when we turned 16. Um, this is like saying to your 16-year-old, if you can't keep your room neat, then you can't drive the car. If I can't trust you to make your bed, then how can I trust you to stop at uh, stop signs? Okay, does that make sense? If I can't trust you to brush your teeth, then how can I trust you to um, not speed or to drive without texting at the same time? You see, there's the smaller to the, the lesser to the greater. The less important, less, less impactful to the more important, more impactful. If I can't trust you with this, then how can I trust you with that? Uh, another illustration of this would be, you know, periodically we'll have someone come along who uh, has been a pastor in the past and they're part, they become part of the church and, uh, and they're here for a brief time and, and they want to do something. They want to teach a class and we don't know them and they don't know us. And, and so we say, well, you know what, come and hang out for a while. Let's just get to know each other before we, you know, commit to something like this. And, and, and as a matter of fact, we do need some help around here. So, uh, you know, we, are, we really need help in the nursery, in the infant department. They need some help back there. So uh, will you serve the infants, you know, while we're getting to know each other? How about that? And they say yes. And then the first week, they show up five minutes late. And the second week, they don't show up at all. And then the third week, they show up on time, but they don't actually help. They just hang in the background and let the other people there do all the, take care of the infants and take care of the babies. Would you say then that person is being faithful? Not that taking care of the children is lesser. Okay, I don't mean that at all. That's one of the most important things we do. But in in our cultural sense and in the impact sense, would you say that they've been faithful in the thing that they were asked to do or not? Well, then would we say, well, yeah, now you get to do this big thing where you're going to impact 200 people. Would we say that? No, you wouldn't. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that that our attitude towards possessions is a heart test. It's a heart test. And it's not like God is giving us a test test in the sense of, well, if you flunk this test, I'm going to punish you. It's not punishment or God holding out on us, it's more like this, that if I focus my life and my heart wrongly on worldly wealth, which is what he refers to as the lesser things, if I'm fixated on that, if I, if I, if I just care too much about it, want to hold it too much to myself, then I can't see anything else. I just can't see anything else. Uh, I, I've got this really cool pen here. It's um, blue. I love the color of it. It has a nice texture. I like to feel it. It makes, feels good on my fingers. It writes without globbing up. And, um, and I can just sit here and look at this pen all day. I mean, it's so sweet, and I'm not going to give it to you. You cannot borrow it. But I love it. Now, if I do that, what am I missing? I'm missing everything. I'm, there's this whole world out there that is so much more significant than this pen, and I'm missing it. 
And so that's what Jesus is saying. If I'm just going to fixate on this stuff that I have, and you keep, I mean, we've all seen Lord of the Rings, right? Is there anybody here who has not seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, wow. All right. All right. Your assignment by next week. Okay. So there's a phrase in Lord of the Rings series that this one character says when he's looking at this ring and he is somehow the ring has this possessive thing with him where it's, he calls it what? Let's say it all together. Ready? One, two, three. All right. He holds this ring and he, and he rubs it and he says, my precious, my precious. And that's what Jesus wants us to break our hearts away from. Holding stuff, holding our possessions, the money we have, and holding it and looking at it and saying, mine and precious. This is so precious to me. Don't, no, don't mess with this. This is precious. This is why we have to make the honest-hearted decision to say, I'm open to learning new things. Because we have very likely grown up developing a defense system around our precious. And when other people have tried to get at it, we get pretty upset with them. And when other people talk about how much I love it, that go ballistic on them. So we have to have really open hearts to receive truth in order to move from this being my precious to just turning it from this to to opening it and holding it open-handed and saying, God, this is yours, okay? I recognize this is yours. And that's what Jesus said in um, Luke 14, 33. He said, so then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own, what? Possessions. Now that is a hard statement. I mean, there there have been whole groups of people that have taken that to a degree that they've said, well, okay, then we're all going to take a vow of poverty and give give everything away. And, And yet I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I mean, maybe in some cases he is. But what he's saying here is that rather than holding it like this, I'm giving up my possessions. They're yours, God. It's yours. It's yours. It's not mine. And what this means is when we begin to take that attitude, then we're beginning to say that I manage God's stuff. I am a manager of God's stuff. That's called a steward. That's where you've, if you've ever heard the term stewardship, what that means is I get stuff from somebody else and they are trusting me to manage it for them. And so I'm, I'm living a life of managing God's things. What that means in practical terms is that whatever I give, and sometimes people will have the attitude, well, okay, I know I need to give because you know, I'm just, I'm just free flowing here with my thinking, but I like this church or I like the children's ministry or we're going to do this outreach project or whatever. So I'm going to give because I want to give to that. And, and so y'all give X amount and then I will keep X amount. And it's still my precious. Even if it's the 90%, even someone who gives a tithe, 10%, then the 90 is my precious. It's mine. 
And what Jesus wants us to know is that that 90% is his. It's all his. And so he's teaching us that when we begin to have that attitude, then we're having the right attitude towards possessions. And then possessions don't become a God to us because you can't love God and money. Can't love the two. And I'm, and I'm able to say, oh, I'm not going to love this stuff. It's cool. And I like, I like buying stuff, God. And I know you're going to tell me to buy some stuff. And, and that's okay. That's cool. But this is yours. And so I'm going to use it to honor you just as the 10% I gave, I pray, will honor you. Does that make sense? Okay, this is vital. I mean, for us to really begin to let this sink in. Sink in. Okay, just... Holy Spirit, let this sink in. And just pray that right now with me. Just, Holy Spirit, let this sink in. Let it sink in that it's all yours. Let it sink in that we are created to know you as sons and daughters and to see your glory and your goodness, your majesty, your your incredible love, And just to worship you with all that we are. Let us see that, Lord. Open our eyes to see that more fully. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's what the Lord's calling us to. I think that's what God wants to do in this series. I believe this, that through these next five, six, six, eight weeks, life-changing stuff will happen that will free you and me from things that have messed up our lives. Fears and anxieties. For instance, some of us as couples have never talked about money without fighting. Or just never talk about money because it's so scary. Some of us have tried to get the credit card bill before our spouse does so we can pay it and stick it in the receipt box in the basement So we don't have to answer the question about that $258 expense. And God's going to free us from that type of stuff. He wants to free us. No fear, no anxiety, no tension. Freedom to say it's all yours. Live in peace with that. Freedom to give, freedom to give, freedom to, uh, to enjoy. He gives us all good things to enjoy. So just because it's his doesn't mean that we don't enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy it. But there's a freedom that will impact our lives, our families, and future generations. And so I think there's some awesome things that are coming up in this series. And, and uh, I'm excited about it, looking forward to it. But um, there's something here that Jesus said that I want to draw our attention to. John 8, 31 and 32. Because it flows with what we're talking about right now. And uh, I think it has a a profound impact on the the overall topic. But here's what Jesus said, all right? Uh, Let me ask you this first. Have you ever heard the saying, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free? Okay, well, that's usually quoted out of context. Let's look at what he really meant by that, all right? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I want to point this out. 
Truth is more than propositional statements. Truth is more than a theological statement. It's not something that you, you can check off on a box. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Check. I believe that God the Son, I believe in, in, uh, in the, the atonement of the cross. Check. No. Truth here, the word truth here really means reality. It means seeing behind the statements, seeing behind the things, and seeing the real thing. So truth is really revelation from God. It's when the Holy Spirit opens my mind, wow. I mean, it's one thing to say, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be in, here in worship someday or to be at your home in, in up early in the morning and reading the Word of God and in prayer and worship and have the Holy Spirit just come and you just, you just say, I see you. I, not, not, I'm not saying with the physical eye, but I see you with my I see you with my spirit. I, I grasp you now who you are. I see the magnitude of what it means to say that there's a triune God who has existed from all eternity. But I see the love. I see the power. I see the blessing. I see the community. I see the, there, there's a difference between checking that off on a box and seeing it. And Jesus is talking here about seeing who God is. And when, when we get revelation in our minds so that we can perceive who he is, that's what sets us free. That's what sets us free. And so how do you get that? Well, he says here, if you hear my words and you do them, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, so it really is a matter of, I've decided to follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Uh, he's the son of God. He's the savior. And uh, he's my Lord. And I'm going to follow him. And then I read in the Bible a truth that is in conflict with some way I'm conducting my life. And I say, oh, this is how you want me to live? Okay, well, I'll do that. So does that mean I have to break up with my girlfriend? Because we're going to have a hard time not doing that. And, and well, maybe it does. Okay, well, I'll do that. And that, there's that step of obedience. That's a step of obedience. And when we take steps of obedience like that, we, we get deeper insight. We get more revelation, more truth of who he is, and we become more free. And that is because every time we take a step of obedience, what we're doing is aligning our lives with the life of Jesus. We're just becoming what he created us to be. Oh, you mean... I shouldn't, it's not okay for me to talk about my boss to my coworkers or to talk about my sister to my friend and criticize. I mean, that's not okay, Lord. I thought that was just kind of like fun and it makes me feel, makes me feel kind of good. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I don't want you to use your tongue that way to criticize and to attack others. And, and you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll obey you in that, Jesus. I'll do that. And as, as that heart of humility is just submitting to his word and submitting to him, then our hearts grow and we're able then to see more of who he is. We'll know the truth. We'll see the truth in reality and, and, and we, we gain greater freedom. 
And so this, this is just foundational to the whole concept of discipleship and really foundational to what we're going to do over the course of the next few weeks as we talk more about the, the way God has for us to view our finances. We're going to have a number of messages. We're going to have a two-week period because of an illustration in the Old Testament where they had not, they had not done Passover. Uh, this, you can read this in Second Chronicles 29 to 32. Second Chronicles 29 to 32. Great story. This new king comes in, Hezekiah, and he calls the priests all together. And he says, you got to fix the temple, repair the temple, because Hezekiah's father had let it fall into disuse and ruin. And these priests answer their call. They, hear, they see their identity they're priests of the living God, and, and they repair the temple in eight days. It's an amazing thing that happened. And then they have this big Passover celebration, and the celebration comes to a conclusion after a full week. And at the end of that week, it says all the people decided we're going to worship another week. We want another week of Passover celebration. And so as we're preparing for this and just praying for God's leading in this whole freedom project, it just struck us, that's, that's what we need to do. And so we're going to go next four weeks or so, and then we're going to have two weeks, two weekends, that will be all worship weekends. And they'll be kind of like the highlight of this whole series. And then we'll come out of the series and cap it off with, with a couple more messages to kind of conclude and move us ahead uh, into what's next. So that's exciting to me, and I'm looking forward to it. But here... Um, Right now, I want to ask you to do something with me. We've never done this before, but we have a little survey. If you'd help me with this, it'll be really help. It'll help us as a church to know who we are, where we are, what's happening, and then we'll take a survey like this at the end of this series, and, and we'll be able to see have we grown. You know, what, what's what's the response, and and uh, it's really all about hard attitudes. But in the first section. Uh, there are several things there. You probably are, you might want to check a couple of them in the first section. They're going to be being passed out here in just a minute. Yeah, ushers, come on down. I think they are. Yeah. All right, so the first section, um, you might want to check a couple of those off. In the second section, you probably are only going to check one of those. No names. Do not put a name on it. And really what we would like is one per household or one per giving unit. If you're married and as husband and wife you have separate jobs and you give separately, then each of you fill one out. Otherwise, if you give as a household, just fill out one for your household, okay? It's going to take us a couple of minutes. Uh, There are pens in the back of the chairs there. Did you guys get ones? Get some here? We need some up here, fellas. Right up here. Okay, so go ahead and fill it out. Oh, wait a second. No cheating. No copying. We'll know if you copy. If you can listen and read at the same time, I heard a joke. There was this guy in college who took a test. Only missed one answer on the whole test, but the professor flunked him. So he went to his professor and he said, hey, what's the big deal? I only missed one question and you flunked me. And the professor said, well, you were cheating. And he said, you can't prove that. 
And the professor said, well, I was suspicious, but actually I can't prove it. He said, you sat beside the smartest kid in the class. And every question, you answered exactly the same way he did. So the kid says, well, how do you know he wasn't copying off me? The professor says, well, I wondered that until I came to question 37. And he wrote, I don't know. And you wrote, I don't know either. So take just another 30 seconds and fill this out, if you would, please. All right, when you're finished, we'll give you another 15 seconds. When you're finished, pass it to, um, to your right. Everyone pass theirs to their right, and then we'll pick them all up that way. Don't, yeah, no names. I told you that, didn't I? No names. We'll collate this stuff, and we'll we'll have the information for you next week, so you'll get a picture of where we are as a church. And um, and then, as I said, we'll do something similar to this at the end, just to see you know where the the growth is. Yep, come over to this side here, Jim. All right, now just so you know, I just want to be clear: no one misunderstands our theology around here. Okay. Just to be certain, I'm going overboard with this, I realize, but um, just so you know, uh, you really can't take it all with you. You know that, don't you? You can't take it all. That's not very, that's about as likely as the last little statement we made there happening, so can't do it. Thank you very much. We have a declaration of freedom that I'm going to uh, read to you, and then we will read together as as a church body, and we'll do that entering into worship. Then next week, we will begin reading these as part of our offering, and we uh, think this is a powerful way for us to, as a community, affirm some things and affirm open-heartedness, and it really is a statement of of intent. It's a statement of blessing of God as well as prayer. So um, I'm just going to read it to you at the beginning, okay? So you can just listen. It's going to come up on the screen. And the one you have in your program is a little different than what will come up on the screen, but we uh, will nuance this throughout the whole time of this Freedom Project. All right. Declaration of Freedom. I'm going to read it and then we'll read it a second time. Uh, Through Jesus Christ, I am set free. I reject lies of fear and anxiety. I embrace the power of Holy Spirit in me. I am no longer a slave to old ways. I have a new mind through Christ. I will live in boldness and victory as a freeborn son, daughter. You know, if you're a guy, you say son. If you're a woman, you say daughter there, okay? Son, daughter of the living God. The creator God is my heavenly father. All I am and all I have flows from his goodness. Worshiping him is my highest calling and greatest joy. I will worship him with my song and my praise. I will worship him with my possessions. He is worthy of my time, my energy, and my creativity. Today, I choose to worship him with all I am and ever will be. Amen. 
All right, let's stand together and uh, say this with me, would you? If you can, if you if you're not comfortable, then don't. But if you can, with a free heart, and as always, worshiping down front is powerful, and so please feel free, and we invite you and welcome you and encourage you to come down to the front to worship. But um, we're going to start this and read this together now. Through Jesus Christ, I am set free. I reject lies of fear and anxiety. I embrace the power of Holy Spirit in me. I am no longer a slave to old ways. I have a new mind through Christ. I will live in boldness and victory as a freeborn son of the living God. The Creator God is my Heavenly Father. I I am... And all I have flows from his goodness. Worshiping him is my highest calling and greatest joy. I will worship him with my song and my praise. I will worship him with my possessions. He is worthy of my time, my energy, and my creativity. Today, I choose to worship him with all I am and ever will be. Amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can come.